I'm Ryan. And I'm Jason. And we're back for one more Christmas... Wait, no. Let me say that. Okay, try it again. Three, two, one. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jason. And we're back for another episode... Another Christmas... Ep- uh, this is once a year. This always happens. Try this again one more time, Ryan. My fault again. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jason. And we're back for another Christmas episode of the Tabletop Battlefield. Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to our annual episode of the Tabletop Battlefield, the podcast of the Army Showcase that I created a little over 10 years ago, and this is what technically about as close as we can be, because we only do this episode, the show once a year, yep. would be our 10th, episode, or 10th anniversary of the Tabletop Battlefield. The Tabletop Absolutely. Battlefield was launched January 2007. Crazy. So... Yeah, this is it's been pretty darn close to doing this show 10 years. Granted, the last six years have all been one episode a year. Or last, you know, whatever it's been, six years, I think. Life happens. But, yeah, life happens, and of course, often other things. And I might as well transition into the big announcement for this year. And then I'll roll the trailer video. Hopefully it's ready. We're filming this a month and a half ahead of time. So I have a month and a half to get things done. If nothing happens right here, then that means I delayed my big announcement again and again and again. But the big announcement is the upcoming release of Legends of Caladasia 2nd Edition. Of course, that's a tabletop space combat miniatures game I've been working on after I ended the tabletop battlefield. It's the primary reason why I ended it. So let's start by rolling the trailer for 2nd Edition of Legends of Caladasia. For six months, we have faced invasion. For six months, planet after planet has fallen to the Surakari. But here, at Albion, we will make our stand. Here, at Albion, it will be our finest hour, and the name of Kylon will be immortalized in history! So there you go. That is the trailer for Legends of Caladagia 2nd Edition. And just a quick note on what I was trying to do with the game. Um, the reason why I ended up going with a 2nd Edition is I'm trying to bring in some of the elements that would make actual space combat different than naval combat. Because many games, a lot in the abstract space combat genre, are effectively taking ideas of like naval combat, whether it's World War II, Age of Sail, whatever, really just making them spaceships with lasers. And the reality is that's not the way space combat would work because actual starships maneuver significantly different than 
modern day warships would. They're going to maneuver probably closer to actually how rockets do today than how obviously World War II Age of Sail warships. So I'm bringing in some elements of that kind of rocket style movement, i.e. if you ever played Kerbal Space Program, some of the ways those ships maneuver and bringing that into a tabletop game format. And hopefully that way you can introduce some new tactics that differentiate Legends of Caladasia from the competitors that are out there and also kind of bring in a new cool way of playing abstract space combat games. But that's enough of me talking for a while. Ryan, what have you been up to for the past year? Well, what have I been up to? Things just keep on happening. Well, as you know from the last uh, Tabletop Battlefield episode we had, I was about a year ago. <laughs> yep, about a year ago. I was just launching Tales of Ahala, the first season, Tales of Ahala Aftermath Chronicles. We gave a review on it, and it's been, I'd say, you know, fairly successful. Got have over like two thousand views so far on it this past yeah, year. Not a small amount. Yep. And um, cool thing, getting recognized by uh, people from HeroScapers dot com, which is a, a HeroScape oriented uh, fan page website location to where it's just a whole bunch of content on there. When I got banned from a few years ago? <laughs> when I got banned from a few years ago, yeah. They, 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 I think they like me now. Um, and it's good to know people who know people who know people. So uh, the, the cool thing is that um, from the date that of, this, of us recording this uh, episode, um, I did an interview with the HeroScapers.com uh, magazine uh, through one of their uh, writers um, about about a month or so ago. And it's going to be releasing sometime in the future. Okay, well, any idea when? I, I mean, first he told me like it'd take like a month. Now, um, it's it's uh, the magazine's called HeroScape Codex. Um, that's through HeroScapers.com. Um, I think they keep on they're, they're delaying things, so it could be in December, it could be January, so it could be before or after uh, this episode gets released. Well, if it's available, you'll find a link in the show notes. If not, are there other other issues of it? I mean, just link to where they post the issues. Yes. of it, and they can I mean, hopefully find it there at some point. You, you can go future. straight to you can go straight to heroscapers.com and find the codex through there. They also have a Facebook page, which I'll give you the link to, which you'll find below in the description somewhere. Um, so yes. Uh, so that that was exciting to you know be interviewed for um, online magazine. Oh well, you know you're still being interviewed, which is awesome. Something. <laughs> so um, and then uh, one thing I, I want to say with Tovs as well that I just released um, from the day of this recording um, about like three or four days ago. I released uh, another little mini sixty second episode featuring. A character, a Silvaris, who will be who will be in seasons two and three, and it's just a little short uh, of the character introducing himself, and just a little funny ending. And uh, we're actually going to see that. Want to roll it right now? Yeah, let's let's roll right, right now and, and take a look at it. Let's take a look. We'll be back here in just a moment. I am Silvaris. <laughs> Watch me use my arrows. I am brave. I am strong. I am an elf. Look how far I can shoot. No one can beat me. 
That is the only Tales of Hella content being released uh, pretty much this year, aside from uh, Season 1. And so far, I've got 100 views on it the past three days, which is awesome. Got some subscriberships from it, that's just awesome. So I'll continue doing more of those character shorts in the process of making Seasons 2 and 3. Uh, now, for the episode, uh, really been working on the character of Silvaris, and all three voices were mine own, which why this was easy to produce and like get get done quickly because I could just easily just do all the recordings myself. And um, so, Silvaris will be in seasons two and three. Um, Krug will not be. Um, he just he was just something to come in because that Silvaris Krug relationship in the game. Or as far as the backstory goes. Oh, is there a relationship there? Okay. Yeah, th- yeah. There, there's a little bit of a relationship there. Um, so I just wanted to give that to the uh, the people who are familiar with Heroescape and, and love the game and and know kind of the characters. So, so quick question. So can you actually do this virus voice, or do you have to alter your voice a little bit? And slightly, oh, slightly. Okay. Um, and I actually <laughs> uh, film and film myself. Uh, Recording those voices uh, back a couple of months back, and eventually that will be, be released uh, either through Tales of Hella, uh YouTube page or um, actually through my Twitch account, which I'll talk about now. Leading, unless you have any more questions for that. No, that's about it. But once okay. again, show notes on the YouTube page and blah yes. blah blah, etc. You can find blah, the links blah, 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 to blah. all the different stuff that uh, we promote. Yes, uh, <laughs> that's most of what the show content is anymore. But I got other games to shame, talk about here a little bit. Shameless self promotion. I oh, have no, the camera. No, my camera doesn't focus on my games. Just me. Oh well. And I and I have not yet begun what I want to talk about yet. There's so a machine book here. <laughs> So <laughs> as far as far as uh, Twitch goes, um, I'm currently doing live streams whenever I'm able to, and that primarily focuses on um, uh, basically doing live chats. Uh, Jason was part of an uh, episode um, where we were talking about the season two, season three scripts, and um, I do uh, builds of, of building the terrain sets uh, for upcoming seasons two and three. Uh, I live stream those usually, as well as um, what else do I do? Something or another. Mine went totally blank there for a second, uh, but yeah, I do I do lots of I do lots <laughs> of things. Whatever video production stuff you want. Whatever video. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, oh, just, oh. just fill random content. Stop there. motion production. That's another thing. I'd, oh, I'd, that's kind I'd, of a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so sometimes a, when I, when, especially like starting next year when I do a lot, I'm doing a lot of stop motion, I'll probably live stream some of that too. And just so you all can do, or all, all of you can see a little bit more of what behind the scenes of what it takes to actually do this, which it's a lot of work. Tons. Um, so yeah, so, and all the, all the Twitch streams um, are, Recorded and they get transferred to YouTube. So if you've missed any live streams, you just go to YouTube and you'll see all those episodes, live stream episodes on YouTube. And YouTube to his channel will be in the show notes because I'm not sure which one you post on. You have like six now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I'll, 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 I'll get. I, I, yeah. I, I, at the end, at the end of my talk, I'm going to go through all those links and to say okay. the, the what what is for 
Ouch. Um, so yeah, so that's basically it as, in a nutshell as far as Tales of Ahala goes. Um, my week in eight minutes, I'll keep this very short. Um, basically, I've been hi- on hiatus all year. I have not done any vlogs this year just because I needed a break. Um, I've wanted, I-, I wanted to prepare for Tales of Ahala, and I just felt like I didn't have the time to do weekly vlogs, so I stopped doing that. But in the meantime, I'm still putting some content sometimes to where... I'm doing Let's Play videos. I'm currently doing Star Wars Dark Forces and uh, Lego Marvel, um, which are one one old, one recent, and both are very fun games to play. Um, and I'm going to be adding another new game in sometime in the next uh, few months or so as well. And I'll, so I'll continue to do those uh, Let's Plays until I go through the whole game. And um, then I'll start... I'll restart the vlog starting January of this coming year, 2017, and start doing those vlogs again and make my life so much more uh, hectic uh, doing everything at once. But uh, I, I just I just love doing those vlogs. It doesn't really... I mean, people, something been, to do, something fun. Yeah, people don't really pay attention to it, but I just love doing it. So, so yeah, so that's basically that. Now, um, I was very fortunate to make that decision... Uh, to not do any vlogs because uh, starting around uh, early springtime this year, um, I had to have some surgery done. And so this is leading into a health update for my Crohn's disease because I've talked about this before. Um, oh, that camera angle. What? I was going to get the secondary camera on you. You're talking. <laughs> no, it doesn't work okay, very well. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> tape for you. That's okay. Keep Jay, talking. You just, you just have to pretend to pay attention to me. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, health. Um, as you know, if you've, if you've seen previous uh, Christmas episodes, um, you know my health has not been great. Um, and I've been trying to do things uh, holistically as well as a mix of medical and it came to a head in the springtime when, um, uh, long story short, uh, inflammation just got terrible. I wasn't able to control it via medication or any holistic protocol I could do. And I had to make uh, the decision to do the surgical option. And it was a very, um, it was a very scary moment. I mean, it could have gone very terribly. Um, but thank goodness I had a good surgeon and they removed about a third of my large intestine, um, but uh, my recovery was stupendous. Um, it should have been like a minimum, uh, I think it was a minimum like a six day, six, seven day stay, or yeah, it was a minimum seven day stay for me after the surgery, uh, post-operation, but they asked me to go home on day five because I was doing so well, and I'm like, no, let me stay another day, and I ended up going home on day six. And so currently, I still have an ostomy bag, um, so it's like my intestines are not joined. Not trying to get too gross here. This is, and by the way, this has nothing to do with tabletop gaming, no, this personal life, but, but, you know, this is interesting. Right, yeah. Um, and so I'm doing great. I'm feeling great. Uh, it looks like um, that the scar tissue area of my colon uh, was completely removed, and and actually a few days from this recording... Um, I can say it. I can say it because by the time you get this released, you know, the, yeah. the day will be out. So it'll be. We're November. recording this before the presidential election. In case you're curious, when the yeah. time this is. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Recording this quite a bit ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So November eighth on election day, I'll be getting the surgery done. So I will know my results before the candidates do. <laughs> 
Um, but I mean, it, it looks like um, it looks like it should go very well. Um, I shouldn't have too many concerns, uh, albeit if an act of God happens, then what you can do about that. But um, basically, they're going to reconnect my intestines, and um, as long as everything heals up good, I should be in the hospital like three or five days after, and I should be good. So um, by the time this gets out, I might leave a comment in the comment section, section saying, oh yeah, I'm great, I'm fine, and uh, everything is you know honky-dory. Otherwise, if something really bad happens, then Jason will let you know. <coughs> but... Overall, it, I should be doing good, and by, by the beginning of next year, be recovered enough to start doing more video production stuff and uh, really go headfirst into everything that I want to do, and I'll be um, healthier than I've ever been. And by the end of next year, uh, just being back to a state of normalcy that I have not had in, like, over 20 years. So That would be good. Yeah, that would be very good. So... Uh, it's been a really rough five years, but um, as long as I can get the results that I'm looking for, it'll be worth it. So, give me a second here. Taking some notes there. Yeah, I'm scratching off what I... Uh, everything that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. I'm more prepared than I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote this like five minutes before we started, so don't think I'm an expert on this at all. Um, that I don't really need to talk about. Um I just ran around before I started and grabbed my information <laughs> we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, it was pretty chaotic. Okay, so uh, w- one last thing I want to talk about is just um, Tales of Ahala as far as the production production in general. Um, like, I, like I was mentioning a few minutes before, um, I do have scripts for se- um, Tales of Ahala Seasons 2 and Tales of Ahala Seasons 3 uh, written and basically set in stone. And um, it's going to fo- be focusing on the Airborne Elite again. And let's just say, um, if you've ever seen the, the Valhalla map for HeroScape, uh, the characters are literally going to go all over the map. Do you have a picture I can stick in here? Yes. Okay. Yes. There will yes. be a picture as we're talking <laughs> right now. <laughs> and yeah, there'll be like north, south, east, west, just all over the place. And they're going to be encountering a lot of characters, and they even have like a like the list right here of characters. Um, is that one of the scripts there? No, this is this is like the li- character oh, list. Oh, that's character list. This oh, is that's, character that's like list. ten pages long. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, actually, no, it's not this. Ah. Um, I'm more like four pages long, but um, you can see here, like wow, five pages, just how much HeroScape stuff you have. Holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I even. Keep talking. Yeah, it's a lot of HeroScape stuff. Uh, um, I can't really read in the camera. But this is all it. Ryan, how much stuff <laughs> Ryan has for HeroScape. It's insane. It's like five times what I have. Yeah, well, y- y- in order to do the show, you got to have like all these characters. I mean, uh, so yeah, th- I mean, there's going to be a lot of new characters for Tales of Ahala coming out, which makes. Um, and. Like, for season one... How did you end up with five Captain America? Seriously. <laughs> well, I don't anymore. Oh, okay. This is a little out of date. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is a little out of date. I'm, like, I need, really need to update that list. <laughs> 34 sets of order. Great order markers. Wow. That's intense. Anyway, keep talking. Sorry. Yes, yes. I'm just checking everybody. Yes. Um, That's what I do. Yeah. No, I've, no, I've totally lost myself. Um, but, yes. Uh, okay, yeah. What was I... What was I talking about? Okay, yes. Uh, characters, yes. Um, like for... Okay, script and characters. So script uh, for season one, 
uh, the script was like 35, 37 pages. For season two and season three combined, it's 150 pages of script. So it's going to be a lot of work to do, and there's going to be a lot of action sequences. I, it's With the exception of maybe one or two episodes each season, each, each season, every episode will have some type of fight scene. So that'll be fun, because I, I think that was one of the things I needed to fix uh, for season one, because it was just basically... A lot of talking. A lot of talking. And there's still going to be a lot of talking in these, because we need to talk about the plot a little bit, but it's mostly just going to be a lot of fighting. So... That would be cool. And yeah, as far as characters are concerned, um, like for voice actors, I had um, roles for about 20 or so people for season one. And uh, for season two and three, that's going to double or triple as far as the voice actor roles. I mean, people might actually doing, be doing multiple roles. I know I will be. Um, and so, yeah, just a lot of work. But the end result should be a lot of fun. And I'm figuring out ways to refine uh, visually. Um, as you've seen, like in the Silveris episode, it's a lot more crisper and clearer of an image um, than uh, the season one image. And it's going to be just that much better. So I'm very excited uh, putting this out. And I'm just hoping that, you know, get more of a viewership and just Mm -hmm. uh, keep on going with this. So that is basically that. And as far as, like, future character shorts um, for next year, I'm going to be using um, Nigok Saw. Yes, that, that's my, that, one of the characters I play. One of, Jay, one of Jason's characters, uh, probably Drake Alexander, the Airborne Elite themselves, uh, Raylan, and yeah, I think that's it. And probably more. And probably like um, Mariko, um, which is a female ninja, um, and possibly a couple more too. It just, it just depends on what time I have. It could be I release like a character intro, a character ep- a character introduction every two to three months next year. So keep an eye out for that because there'll be more coming. Is there an estimated date when you have the whole season two and season three done? Or is that just sometimes? Do you want me to really <laughs> be honest about that? It's up to you. <laughs> I mean, I've, it's, you it's pushing it back as long as you want. No, it's it's not anything that I've kept secret. Uh, no, okay. I, my guess is that um, it'll take two years to make season two, and then another year to complete season three. Okay. So you're looking, um, which is why I'm doing the doing Christmas the, 2018 for season two. Pretty much. Okay. Um, at least when when it'll start. Um, and that's why I'm making the character shorts, just so there's some stop-motion content happening on there. Okay. And and it seems to be working a lot. Like I said, just releasing the Silvaris video like in the last three days, um, over 100 views, and I've got like 10 more subscriberships. So thank you, all of you um, out there who are supporting the show. Please keep on supporting it. Subscribe, and we'll just continue on making more of these videos. And, uh, I mean, we've been having a blast so far doing it, so... All right. And I think I'm all talked out right now. So back to Jason. Well, that's all right, because I'm going to go ahead and jump to the build project I have for this year, and then I'm going to come back and talk about the games that are sitting in front of me. But what I've been really getting into the past two years is doing a lot of cosplay work. I've shown off some of the stuff, some of the weapons and things on this show, and, of course, I'm on Twitch live stream. But what I thought I would try to do this year for a tabletop game build project is actually take some of the techniques that are common in the cosplay world and apply them to building a new 
six foot by four foot battlefield for miniatures games because there's a lot of techniques that are used to build these costumes that would actually work better, I think, than the standard ways that people build terrain for tabletop miniatures games. So I thought I'd experiment with that and build myself a new battlefield. So let's run that build project right now. For this year's Tabletop Battlefield Christmas Special Build Project, I want to do something big. Create an entire new battlefield for tabletop miniature games. But I'm going to do things a little bit differently. Sitting over here to the side, I've got a few pieces of my Tau Firewear cosplay armor that I've worn to a couple sci-fi conventions over the past few years. And what I wanted to do is take some of the techniques that you use in building this sci-fi battle armor and apply it to tabletop miniatures gaming terrain. Because frankly, I think it would work better, these techniques would work better than traditional techniques for tabletop miniature terrain. So let's get started. I'll show you how, how to do some of these things here. And what you're going to see, some of the things will be familiar to what you've done before, but there's going to be some really cool, neat tricks that we use in building this armor that will actually help make terrain, I think, better and cooler and give you a little bit more flexibility in some of the things you can do. To begin, first of all, let's talk about what I'm actually building this terrain on here. This is a 6x4 foot setup of foam floor mats. I've got one sitting right here. So this is not extruded polystyrene. This is not that awful insulation stuff that you're used to that crumbles and cracks and breaks. It's a very flexible EVA foam. So what's cool about this is it's more durable. Like I said, it doesn't crack or break. But it can be sculpted just as easily as extruded polystyrene. And like, there's going to be some other cool tools coming up with it. But one bonus is one side of the EVA foam is flat. The other side is textured. Now, depending on what manufacturer you purchase, the textured side is going to look different and kind of create some really cool effects. This pack here that I picked up from the Home Depot, the back side of this has a very like Starship metal-y type texture to it. And frankly, it would look really cool if you wanted to go build like a military installation or you wanted to create your own Zone Mortalis 40K style board. So that's already one advantage that the extruded poly... Not extruded poly... One advantage the EVA foam already has over extruded polystyrene. Now for the battlefield I'm working on in front of me here, I'm going to start by creating a river. I already drew the river out so you kind of see how I trace the lines out here. And now the next step is I'm going to take a box cutter a really nice high quality box cutter and then I cut kind of like on an angle in a little bit. Now keep in mind these foam mats are pretty thin. They're about a half an inch thick. So you can't cut in too much downward, just a little bit to create a little bit of an angled look to the riverbed. And this is mainly just to remove some t material. So you're going to go along one side of the bank doing that. You're going to flip the knife around and go along the other side of the bank doing the same kind of a thing. Now of course when working with a knife in this fashion, well it's kind of dangerous. The knife can slip and you can stab yourself pretty easily. I've already actually poked my finger once today doing this build project. So hopefully it doesn't happen again. But just be very careful with this kind of thing. And of course, we're using a knife blade. It's not a bad idea to be wearing safety goggles just in case the thing snaps and the blades go flying everywhere because that does periodically happen. And one more useful tip here when dealing with EVA foam. EVA foam destroys knife blades. So here for this, even though I got this really nice high quality box cutter, the foam can really go through these blades in a hurry. That's why you want to invest in a nice um, blade sharpener. What I've got here is like about a $4 blade sharpener and it works great for keeping this blade sharp even 
and you don't have to spend tons of money on blades because this blade sharpener is such a much better deal than buying lots of blades over and over and over again. So find a blade sharpener, read instructions how to use it, and it'll be a fantastic economical way to save some money when working with EVA foam. Okay, so once you've got the two side areas cut out, very carefully use the knife blade to kind of remove the middle of the material because chances are your two angle cuts probably didn't actually meet in the middle. So you're going to have to very carefully remove all that material that's kind of started to be cut out by the angle cuts. So using your knife blade, cut along the length of the river and remove that piece altogether. And next, once you've got that done, you can go and start creating the effect of kind of a dry, cracked riverbed side. You can see, start making little cuts with your knife in the side of the riverbeds and up, kind of run away from the banks a little bit. And in a moment here, we're going to do some really cool effect to make that look even cooler. But for now, just kind of mark it up as if it's kind of like a dried, cracked mud, cracked dirt, cracked rock, whatever you want to go for. That's the idea that you're trying to create. And just be careful, don't cut all the way through the actual mat to the ground. That'll kind of ruin the effect we're going to use later on to add a little bit of water in this riverbed. But now at this point, I'm going to, I have some 60 grit sandpaper here. This is some high quality, long life sandpaper. And I'm going to use this to kind of smooth down the riverbed just a little bit. And of course, whenever you start sanding anything, this is dust mask time. So put on a dust mask and take this 60 grit sandpaper and just kind of clean up your riverbed a little bit. Well, I screwed up. <laughs> what did I do? You can see here, I'm going to turn my little work camera. You're going to notice I've got a small hole here where I kind of accidentally cut all the way through the entire piece of the EVA foam. So I'm going to fix that. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and show you a piece of material I'm going to work with later. This is called Warbla. Warbla is a thermal plastic. You heat it up, it does cool things essentially. In case of Warbla, it lets you mold and shape it, but it also can become a sticky type putty. And it would be great for sealing that hole right there because it glues itself to EVA foam really, really well. We're going to use this more later on, but let me stick that right there and I got to get my heat gun going. You can see how it's starting to become soft and pliable there. And then I'm just going to stick it down into the spot where I, the hole was and we'll fix it a little bit later. And Warbla does glue down to itself and to other things that it's in contact with. So have a little more heat, stick it down, and it'll kind of glue itself in place. Of course, by the nature of where this particular screw-up was, it's going to kind of be impossible to take these two pieces apart, but, you know, it's details. There we go. Now we're going to work with a heat gun. EVA foam does some really interesting things when it's heated up. When you heat it up, it's one of the ways you can get it to bend and curve. For example, in the shape of the armor here, how I, if I hold it up, you can see how this part of the, of the foam is curved to go over my shoulder. That is done via heating up the EVA foam and then bending in the place. And also, same thing here with the front of the armor, how it's got a bit of a curve to it. That was also accomplished by heating up the EVA foam and holding it and bending it into place. Now, one of the other things that EVA foam can do when you heat it up, it can kind of shrink and melt down a little bit. So ideally, get yourself a nice mask on, because I'm assuming this probably releases all sorts of wonderful fumes. Um, 
most things we've done in this show, we need to melt stuff down, or these, these nasty fumes. It's a side effect of working with this kind of stuff. Just be advised, safe, proper safety protections. And I can probably take my glove off now, as he's now with the warbler. Okay, um, so what, what's going to happen is all these little cracks that we drew a little bit ago with the knife and the foam are going to start to open up and look like actual cracks in the material. So take the heat gun out, turn it on, and just hit it on the foam where the cracks are right now. And you're going to notice very slowly that I start to open up a little bit of opening to them. Then I'm going to do this process for the rest of the river. And this little kind of crisp, this little process I'm showing you here is one of the ways when it comes to cosplay how you can add really cool detail to pieces of armor to make it look like you got a wood grain weapon. I've seen it used to make grips on guns. It's a very common type of technique you can use to do some really cool design and details on cosplay armor and weapons. All right, let's move on to the last step here that we want to do before we actually add the water to the waterbed. Now, the water is going to be resin. It's a, obviously a very common technique in tabletop game miniature manufacturing, as well as cosplay. It's actually one of the ways you can get this really cool plasticky armor look to your armors using resin. In fact, my entire Tau Fire Warrior is pretty much resin-coated. But before you do that, resin doesn't always stick super well to the EVA foam. So what you want to do is you want to add a bit of a binder, and the binder comes in the form of PVA glue. This is a technique that was done by, I should know this guy's name, I'm a Patreon supporter of him, James Burton from X-Robots, xrobots.co.uk. He does a lot of cool robotic projects as well as cosplay projects. So what you do is use PVA glue, or in this case I've got wood glue because I can buy that easily from the home improvement stores in giant gallons. And you can just put this down wherever you think the resin is going to go. And in this case, I'm just going to coat the entire riverbed area. And then we're going to be able to let it go and let it dry for a little while. And then we'll come back and apply the water then. So I'm just going to unscrew the cap. And here's a free tip for you guys for using any kind of glue like this with a large quantity of glue. If you put a piece of plastic bag over the opening of the lid and then you screw on the lid, that gets a, creates a bit of a better seal that actually helps the contents of whatever's in the jug last longer. All right, I'm just gonna pour down some of this wood glue, and I'm gonna use a paintbrush to just spread out a thin layer across the entire riverbed. It does not need to be like a thick layer. Like I said, just, just cover the foam so that way the resin's gonna have something kinda nice to bind to. All right, got the first layer of the wood glue down. So what I'm going to do is give it a bit of a kick in the pants to get it to dry a little bit faster. And the heat gun's going to come back out. We can use a heat gun to kind of dry it really quickly. Alright, the heat gun has been used to make the first layer of the wood glue dry. I'm going to do this one more time. I'm going to put another layer of wood glue on just to make sure everything's coated. Then I'm going to hit it with the heat gun one more time to get it a nice dry coating. And then I'm going to let it sit for a little while before I try to apply the resin. I'll probably wait about an hour or so. Now, if you think you've got a little too much glue in the riverbed, just spread it out along the river banks, and it'll be, you'll be fine. Wood glue and PVA glue doesn't have a whole lot of volume to it when it finally dries, so you'll notice that if you think you've lost any depth to your river because of too much glue, it'll come back in a little bit when it's, the glue is dry. While we're waiting for the binder of the riverbed to dry, I'm going to start working on some roads. 
And in particular here, I want to make some roads that work well for these little 40 millimeter by 40 millimeter bases of 15 millimeter American Revolution forces. So using this base, the process of planning the roads out is pretty simple. I'm just going to draw some lines to make sure that a column of these spaces can march down the road pretty easily. The road doesn't have to be perfect. I would imagine roads back in the Napoleonic era weren't necessarily exactly accurate along the way. I'm going to pretend that's the case. I actually don't really know. I don't study the history of roads. <laughs> I'm sure there's some some fascinated, you know, some civil engineer out there is just fascinated with the history of roads and how civilization has built them over the years, but that's not me. All right, so I got a basic road layout that I'm going to be using here. Now, the effect I want to go for is a bit of a sunken road. So I want the road to be just a little bit lower than the rest of the terrain around them and kind of give them a little bit of impression like they've been pushed down and intentionally made, you know, as a road to separate them from the surrounding terrain. What I'm going to do for that is more sandpaper. As you saw here when I was working with the riverbed, this EVA foam sands really nicely in terms of getting nice, clean sanding, uh, sanding results to it. So I'm going to use small pieces of sandpaper, a little bit wider than the road, and use that to kind of sand down just a little bit of groove and follow along the roads doing that. And of course, dust mask time again. Well, there you go. I finished making the roads. It was a lot of hard sanding work and a lot of filthy, filthy dust being generated. I'm covered in multiple colors of dust right now. Red, green, blue. Conveniently, they match the tiles of the, of the floor here that I'm working on. Which is, I guess, what you would expect if it was a different color. That would be really weird. But anyway, one advantage of them being floor tiles is you can treat them like floor tiles. So you saw there in a moment ago as I cleaned up most of the dust, actually vacuumed it off the table, and that seemed to work pretty well. <laughs> so, okay. Roads are done. River is coming along. It's going to take probably, I'll probably end up having to let this PVA glue here dry overnight. So it'll be uh, the last part of this build process is going to go back and putting some resin in the riverbed to give it the look of water. Unless, of course, the PVA glue actually dries good enough to do that, but the problem is now there's some dust in the river because of the... <laughs> sanding the roads down. I should have done the roads first and then done the river, but that's good learning experience. No, that's a good tip. Do the roads first and then do the river after that. Now, now there's two more things I want to go over as part of this battlefield build process. The next thing I want to talk about is how I'm going to coat these various floor tiles. Now, I chose to work on the smooth side, so there isn't any texture to them. What I'm going to do is use another method very commonly found in building sci-fi cosplay battle armor, and that's this substance here called Plasti Dip. Plasti Dip is kind of like this spray-on, plasticky looking stuff. Uh, what it's intended to be used for is actually in tools. So you can spray it on the handles of like hammers and saws and things to give the smooth wood or smooth metal handle a bit of a rubbery, grippy texture. Now this doesn't actually give the surface a really super noticeable texture, but what it will do once you do apply paint and washes, you'll be able to see what looks to be a very fine dirt texture. So even though it doesn't give it a huge texture so like you can feel, but it'll look pretty good once you've got the final touches applied to it. Now this is effectively a spray paint type material. There's the details of how to use it around the can, 
But what I'm going to do is take each tile out individually, out back. I'm going to set up a mat, and I'm going to spray them down with this stuff. And we'll let them dry for half an hour, and then that part will be done. Well, the Plasti Dip is drying. There's one more thing you can be working on, which is I'm going to be making some woods for my battlefield. Now, these are just pre-bought or pre-made trees you can get from Woodland Scenics, and they work pretty good for making the actual trees themselves. But, of course, most games like to have a defined location in terms of you know where the woods are and where they're not, and there's usually some template shape you can follow. So, what I want to do is make a nice, rigid, plastic template shape. And how I'm going to accomplish that is by using Warbler. Now, I mentioned earlier when I was trying to fix problems that I had with the river, I was using some Warbler. And Warbler is what I call a thermoplastic. Essentially, it's a plastic material that responds to heat and can kind of do some interesting, cool things when you heat it up. And in this case, Warbler can kind of become very flexible and kind of squishy when you heat it up, and you're able to use that to mold different shapes of, of various items. And in particular, that's actually why oftentimes Warbler is one of the materials people use to build the armor for sci-fi cosplay out of, because it's great for getting that plasticky look that often a lot of rigid um, sci-fi battle armor suits often have. But by itself, Warbler is a little flexible. So what you want to do, it's also very thin. And t because of the fact that you also buy it in rolls, it tends to become a little bit curled up. So what you want to do is often back it with eighth inch crap, crap foam. Eighth inch craft foam. This is the kind of foam you can buy at a lot of the craft stores like Joann's, etc., uh, Michael's, and so on. They, it's just you're pretty much your general EVA closed cell foam. It's also another thing you frequently use when building sci-fi battle armor because it's a very thinner foam and you can use it to level layer things up and create details that way. So what I'm going to do is start by tracing out the shape of the woods on this piece of craft foam. And, you know, once again, I'm just using, in this case, a Sharpie pen and I'm going to trace something out. It doesn't really matter exactly what you're going for. Um, granted, some some games have certain template sizes and shapes you might want to use. So if that's the case, you know, go ahead, find out what the tournament rules and have, and build the terrain to meet that. But if you're just building for historical miniatures or whatever, it doesn't really matter. You kind of create whatever shape you want, unless of course you're one of those guys who does crazy research to figure out what the shape of the woods was on the day of the battle. People do that. In fact, the entire magazine is devoted to doing research on these battlefields so you can recreate them. Fascinating stuff you learn when you go to these conventions. All right, anyway, using my uh, box cutter I've been using all along here, I am just cutting approximately the shape of the foam out. All right, that is a, a forest. Sure, doesn't really matter. Not really what the shape is. So, next step, I have some... Wax paper, I'm just going to sit down, just because wax paper is kind of a little bit of heat resistant. And you want to then trace the shape of your template on the warbler. But the important thing here to do is to keep about maybe a quarter of an inch to a half an inch additional material, probably about a quarter of an inch additional material around your actual template that you originally traced out. So you're tracing out the template, but like, you know, about a quarter to a half an inch bigger on the warbler than it was in the foam that you just cut out.
So line up your template on top of the warbler, and you want to flip it over so that the shiny side is face up, and you've got still a little bit of an extra lip around the edge of the template you're working with. Okay, let me get a glove on. Now, Warbler, of course, we're going to be using heat gun here in a minute. So, <laughs> heat guns get hot because that's what they do. And by, by proxy, the Warbler itself gets pretty hot. So, you just want to keep that in mind when you work with it. That's why I'll often, that's why I often put on a glove. It helps reduce the heat that you feel. And just very carefully heat up the warbler, working around the edges, and just push the edges down a little bit, and then go through the main part of the template, and that's going to start gluing itself down to the foam. Now we let it sit, because we've got to let the warbler cool off, because if you try to handle it now while it's hot, it's going to be flexible and start deforming itself in all sorts of weird shapes, and that's not what you want. What you are going to notice, though, is one, the wax paper was down so that the warbler doesn't stick to the surface you're working on. That way, because if I, I can just cut the extra uh, wax paper off or peel it off the back, whatever it may be. And two, you're going to notice that there is a bit of a lip here, obviously, because the eighth-inch craft foam rises up eighth of an inch, and the warbler then wrapped around it. Now, it's up to you how you want to handle that. You can either leave that lip on there if you want to, or I'm probably going to cut it off here in a minute once the warbler is cooled down. Okay, once it's pretty well cooled off, you can just go and start cutting away the extra warbler if that's what you want to do, which I think I'm going to do that. Just be careful not to cut super close. If you do, you pretty much risk ruining the piece of the warbler that's kind of covering up the side of the 8th inch craft foam. To finish up the cooling process, make sure it's laying flat. If it doesn't lay perfectly flat, heat it up and reshape it again. That's amazing. one of the cool things about Warbler. You can keep reworking with it again and again and again. And you can even take these little scraps left over here, heat them up, and they become like a putty that you can then fill in spots or you know, make other details and decorations and things with. Warbler is an incredibly amazing material for this kind of shaping and template building kind of a thing. However, it is very, very expensive. Um, I've got a sheet over there that was $90, which was maybe four feet by six feet-ish. I think it's even smaller than that. It might have been three feet by about five feet. So Warbler is very expensive, but it can be a really cool material for the right types of jobs. And then once this template's done and you've got it basically laying flat as best as you would like it, of course, it's time to go back, paint it up, flock it, texture it, do what you would normally would do with any kind of plasticky type of terrain piece. All right, here we are, the final stage of this build process. We're going to pour the resin that's going to make up the water in the river. Um, so we're going to use resin. Of course, resin is a two-part plastic. I'm going to be using Smoothcast or Smooth-On Smoothcast 300 for this particular build, but pretty much any type of resin will work for this. So resin is a two-part liquid plastic that when mixed together initiates a chemical reaction which generates heat and the heat then causes the resin to form into a solid plastic, um, basically a solid plastic object. Uh, many tabletop miniatures are made out of resin. So if you've ever seen a plastic looking miniature that isn't actually injection molded plastic, that's almost certainly resin. 
And the main advantage of using resin here for the water is two things. One, it obviously starts out as a liquid, so it's going to spread out and kind of level off and look like pools of water in this kind of somewhat dried up riverbed. So it's going to give you the illusion of this actually a liquid taking up the proper volume that you're going to see in a riverbed. Two, it's also relatively cheap. And you can get it in large gallons pretty commonly. Like here, for example, I have a gallon kit. I think each of these parts here is a half gallon. And it, you can buy this for about $80 online, or there's a handful of stores across the country that carry the Smooth On brand of resin products. You can purchase them there. Or, like I said, there's tons of other brands of resin out there, and you can just find one that you can get either available locally, or you can choose a different brand if that's what you prefer. The exact type of resin for this honestly doesn't matter. The important part is that the PVA glue is down on top of the resin so that the resin can bond pretty well to the surface that you're working on. Now, of course, this is a liquid, as I mentioned there, as there's advantages to it, but there's also disadvantages to it to being a liquid. It can run everywhere. And, of course, once resin gets somewhere, it's going to harden and make a mess of things and destroy tables, destroy floors, all that kind of a stuff. So it's important to note that if there's any holes in your riverbed where you actually cut too deep, you want to patch them with warbler or some other substance first. I found one up here that I had to patch. And you're going to probably discover that when you try to lift this thing up and all the PVA glue drew, dried underneath it and you kind of glued it down to the surface you're working on. So that's how I discovered that there's a hole up here in the P, because the PVA glue leaked through it. All right. And one more thing on that note before I dive on. It's very important to check around where the jigsaw pieces attach together. That is where you're often going to go ahead and find some of the some of the, the leaks just because of the fact the jigsaw pieces aren't a perfect fit and it's going to be gaps there so be careful when working with the resin around there. What I did in this case is I actually put trash bags down beneath the thing I'm going to be working on so any water or any resin that leaks through is going to get caught in the trash bag and not on the surface I'm working on. Which created another issue which was that then these foam pieces were not laying down flat because they're sitting on trash bags. Enter the fantastically readily available dead weights for tabletop gaming projects, which of course are old Warhammer rule books. I've got Apocalypse, I think that's 5th edition Warhammer 40k right there, maybe 6th, I don't remember which one it was. And of course, here's 7th edition Warhammer Fantasy, which, you know, we all know how that ended. Okay, maybe that's 8th edition, I think it's 8th edition 40 Fantasy, I don't remember. Yeah, this is 8th edition, I think. Regardless... <laughs> it's no longer terribly useful anymore. So, let's get ready to start pouring the resin. Steps to working with resin, I've got two containers, one for part A, one for part B. They're labeled, so I don't accidentally mix them together. I'm just going to pour a bunch of each part in their corresponding container, and then I'm going to mix up just a little bit at a time. So I don't know exactly how much I'm going to be needing for this project, so that's why I'm going to be using syringes here in a minute to mix up just a little bit of each part at a time. And then I've got a plastic cup over here that I'm going to be doing the actual mixing in. Now the details of how your resin works is going to come with the resin itself. Uh, Smooth On Smoothcast 300 is an equal volume mixture. You mix equal amounts in terms of milliliters of each type and it cures from there. But that's not always the case for every type of resin. So it's very important to follow the instructions that come with your resin, not necessarily exactly what I'm doing here. Okay. So like I said, for this type of resin, you mix equal amounts in volume. So I've got syringes so I can measure out 
equal amounts of the resin. And I'm going to only do a little bit at a time, like I said, because I don't know exactly how much I'm going to be needing. All right, so I'm just going to start here with 15 milliliters of each part, and then I'm going to mix it together and start pouring out, and we'll see what happens. This particular resin takes about uh, 10 to 15 minutes to cure. And I'll go from there. So, all right, let's get 15, millimeter, 15 milliliters of each part. Syringes aren't the best, to be honest with you, but it's kind of all we have because the resin starts to get caked up in there and it doesn't really work very well, to be honest with you, after, after a few tries, you know, a few usages of it. But like I said, it's all we really have at the moment. So, all right. Resin's, mix, resin's in there. We mix it up. Now we don't need to pour a lot in the riverbed. We want to kind of spread it out. We just want a, a coating that ends up looking like pools of water. So I'm then using the tool I have to kind of spread it out a little bit. And I'm actually just using a plastic spork to mix this up and spread it out in case you're curious. I must have bought them for some weird reason. <laughs> And you can kind of maneuver the resin around some of the raised areas in the river, and that'll give the illusion that there are, it is a bit dried out, and there's rocks or some kind of little island thing that the water's routing around. And you're able to paint that up, paint and flock that up later to make it look um, like you know it's, it is like some part of the natural terrain. And once the resin starts to cure, you'll start noticing it goes from liquid a little more, a uh, little more. Not liquidy. <laughs> it doesn't flow as well. Whatever that, you know, whatever the proper word for saying it doesn't flow as well. You want to leave it alone because it's very important at that point that it's going to be able to settle out and lay flat to make it look like it's actually water inside the river basin. Otherwise, it'll start clumping up and there'll be little bumps on it and it won't look like water. It won't look like waves. It'll just look like a, a mess. So once that starts to happen, let it alone. Now, I wasn't able to fill the entire riverbed with one filling and maybe take some more resin and pour it down there, which may require a little bit of work later on to clean up where the two pores meet, but hopefully there won't be too much work. In that case, it may just be a little bit of sanding or something like that. But let me go ahead and mix up the next batch and I'll pour it down there. And I'm going to go with a lot less this time because I have not much left to do. Now, it's important to note, at least with this particular type of resin, there's really a minimum amount that you have to mix up. If you mix up less than the, like a minimum amount, in this case with Smoothcast 300, it's around four, three or four milliliters. The chemical reaction really won't occur correctly and you'll just be wasting resin. Now one thing I did run into while building this part of the river is that on the very ends of the board where you get the um, jigsaw pieces, the end cap jigsaw pieces, You'll see when you buy this these foam sheets, they have little end caps to them. It's kind of tough to get the, the resin and everything looking right at the end there as if it's like a river going off the board. So what I'll probably end up doing is building just little bits of terrain or something to make it look like the river goes underground. Maybe it's a natural ford. Maybe something like that so that you can, can't, so you see that you can't really build um, river pieces on these end caps. But... The resin takes about 15, 10 to 15 minutes to fully set. It's looking pretty good right now. I like what I'm seeing. You're starting to see 
the resin go from clear to white right here. That's obviously what happens with in case of Smoothcast 300 as it starts to clear, or starts to, um, not clear, as it starts to cure. But once that's done, if I wanted to, I can take some kind of water effect material or some types of clear caulking, and you can make the appearance of little ripples across the lake if you want to do that. Otherwise, it's time to go ahead, take the Plasti Dip, coat these things in Plasti Dip, try to not coat the river, because that would look kind of weird. <laughs> but from there, it's pretty much pretty standard tabletop game production stuff. Uh, paint it up, flock it, do whatever you want from this point on to finish your battlefield. Well, there you go. That was the build project for this year. So now it's time for me to talk for a while about all the mentions that are in front of me. But one quick thing I want to mention as we're doing this, because as you know, I've been playing around some of the camera stuff here. We're doing a different camera setup this year. I'm not using my normal video cameras. I actually got a couple Logitech um, webcams because what I am trying to do is make the editing go a little bit faster. So hopefully I can make more content of sorts. And we're doing this essentially live to tape. We're recording the camera shots live to tape. And what I've done is I've actually hacked the code base of the open broadcasting software. It is open source software. So you can download the code and change it. I went in there and I changed some settings allowing me to get, actually changed a few lines of code, not settings, literally lines of code, to actually get two webcams running off one USB port. So I'm running off the single USB port on my Microsoft Surface Pro 4 allowing me to get kind of close to HD res 720p HD resolution out of these webcams of one thing. So therefore, I can now switch between cameras as the show's recording, saving me a lot of editing time in the end. But now that I'm done spazzing you guys out from swapping between cameras like 17 times, let's actually get to some more tabletop game content and talk about what's going on in front of me here. Um, as I mentioned last year... I hadn't played much in the way of Warhammer 40,000, and frankly, that continued this year, even though I build costumes of Warhammer 40,000 characters. I honestly don't play the game anymore. This year, for my friends and I, it was all about Warlord games. Uh, we got two of the rule books here, and the third one's on order. <laughs> um, Warlord games, if you don't know who they are, they were founded by Rick Priestley. Rick Priestley is the original creator, or at least one of the major creators, not the original one, of Warhammer 40,000 way back in the day. Uh, a number of years ago, he left Games Workshop for one reason or another. I don't know the story behind it. And he left to create um, Warlord Games. Initially, they made a lot of historical stuff. They made a lot of Roman-era miniatures, um, Civil War miniatures, American Revolution miniatures. Actually, I don't know if they make those or not, but someone does. They sell them. But, of course, their big popular game was Bolt Action. Bolt Action was a World War II platoon-based uh, miniatures game. It became incredibly popular. And they've actually expanded to some other lines. In particular, this year I got into Beyond the Gates of Antares. It was released around Christmas time last year, the starter set. And this is their science fiction competitor to Warhammer 40,000. And this is a freaking awesome game. Um, it's a crazy, interesting sci-fi universe. But it plays vastly different than Warhammer 40,000 does in terms of how the turn order goes. There are order dice. I got them sitting right here. So it's not an entire your army moves and my army moves. You kind of go back and forth, moving one unit at a time. And it brings in some of the aspects of Bolt Action 1st Edition, which then they kind of work with entirely to create Bolt Action 2nd Edition, but it's a long, whole other rambling thing. But the big thing that's kind of cool they brought in with Antares is the idea of pinning. 
So when you fire at enemy targets, not only do you inflict casualties, but there's basically this morale system going on where the more you fire at them, the more they get suppressed, the more that they kind of have to hunker down and they can't do anything. So you don't necessarily have to kill the enemy outright. You can just basically eliminate their effectiveness and defeat them that way. And you, fr- just, you frighten them to death. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's really what's happening. You're just pouring so much fire into them that they're really unwilling to kind of, your soldiers are unwilling to go forward and fight. They just kind of hunker down and stay in. They get scared. They get scared until they eventually break. And it's a very interesting mechanic. So you really have two ways to kill soldiers. It's, it's a lot of, it's a fantastic little game. Not really little, it's actually pretty big. And they saw. They got a lot of different miniatures out here. I got these are the Con- the Concord. This is a drop trooper for the Concord, and then here's the Gar Empire, who is basically the warlike race. And then they have uh, little combat drones right here. This is like a light support drone for the Concord, and then this is a spotter drone. And there's some really cool ideas in the storyline about how technology works and how there's nano drones everywhere and nanobots and all this really crazy ideas going on. So it's definitely a, even the story is different than a lot of the conventional science fiction that's out there. There's some unique ideas to even the story. So it's, even that alone is kind of just fun to read. But continuing on the topic of Warlord games, I kind of identify myself recently now as officially as an old and cranky war gamer because eventually in any miniatures gamer's life, you eventually buy into historical miniatures. <laughs> We're talking not not World War II era, older than that. In this case, my friend and I decided to start playing American Revolution miniatures here. Let me bring my camera back up. So I'm the British Empire for the American during the American Revolution time, and to, these are 15 millimeter Blue Moon miniatures. Uh, they're sold by Old Glory, and they're they're one of the more popular historical miniatures line. And of course, you know, you got, I got to put the flags on here and finish painting them up. But the, these are all fairly accurate to the time period. They are mostly British soldiers wearing the 1768 equipment set that the British would have had during the American Revolution. But the thing that I found that's kind of interesting about them, that's unexpected, is they're actually still lead miniatures. Mm. I didn't think anyone actually made lead miniatures anymore because... Granted, historical miniatures are a niche market with already a niche market. Tabletop gaming is already not sure. a big market. But all the major companies have long switched to um, tin-based pewter instead of lead-based pewter. But these here are actually lead miniatures. That's why I assemble them and paint up as soon as possible. I don't know if there's really a lot of danger from handling lead miniatures. Hell, oh, guys marching backwards. Whoops. Probably I not. Fix that. Probably not. I wouldn't put them in my mouth, but then again, I wouldn't put any miniature in my mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> you should, no, no, don't suck on your, your miniatures, guys. Seriously, that's just not a good thing to be doing. That sounded very disturbing. <laughs> it does sound very disturbing. You never know what people do. Don't ever do that. Ever, oh, ever again. <laughs> where are we going in this? I don't know where I we're don't going. Know where but we're the rule set we're playing with here, Warlord Games again. This is on Black Powder. Black Powder is Warlord Games is um, obviously, as the name suggests, from the Black Powder era of military combat, which kind of runs late 1600s, early 1700s to about 1900s. This is the age of musket, where you start seeing rifled muskets and things like that. So before you start, you st- don't really have a whole lot of multi um, round firing going on. You don't, there's not too many rifles that have that can carry multiple rounds yet. It's mostly just single shot muskets and things like that. But it's actually a really fun little system. We've only played one game so far, so we haven't got into all the details of it. But one thing that's nice about this, about Black Powder, is it doesn't really focus on super historical details. It's more about trying to create the overall feel of what 
a Napoleonic era battle would be without worrying about if there's any differences between, say, British muskets versus what the colonial um, Americans had. So that, that's, it's kind of a nice little thing just in that feature alone. Because some games get really detailed. Oftentimes, there's just so many different rule sets out there. They all focus on one little thing. This one just kind of throws out a lot of details and lets you just have some fun with stuff. And another interesting thing about how it's written is it doesn't pretend to be a set of canonized rules that you have to follow. It's literally in here. It's like, you know, if you don't like the section of the rules, throw it out. Or if you want to be a jerk and use machine guns, you can do that in 1893 because that's actually during the Black Powder era. So they, they kind of toss these little things in here saying how you can change the rules if you want to because go right ahead and have fun with it. They don't try to force you to play these rules in a very certain way, and that's kind of interesting. And I'm sure you like that, that kind of freedom. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun because, you know, like I said, you, you just do whatever you want. I mean, it, it can cause issues in terms of, you know, if you go to a different gaming group to play because mm-hmm. everybody may, may play the game a little bit differently. But historical games generally aren't competitive as much as people can get upset about them. People get upset about everything. Yeah. But you, you, there really aren't like Civil War tournaments. You know, people go to these conventions to try to play the re- recreate the battles and just have fun experimenting history. It's not, you're, not, you're not really there to, to kick the crap out of your opponents and, like you are, say, with War Machine over here. <laughs> Which I'll briefly mention. I have, this is War Machine 3rd Edition. This is obviously one of the other big releases of the year. I haven't actually played this yet. I honestly don't know if I will play it. I was more interested to see what they did with the story, because they did advance the story a few years. Um, but I will say, after reading through the rulebook, this is one of the nicest written rulebooks I've ever seen. As with Black, whereas Black Powder is kind of like, do whatever the heck you want to. This rulebook is so laid out step by step how you do it's really how you do things it's really kind of fantastic how very detailed and very clear they were how everything works how all the special powers can interact how you resolve this versus this so if you want to see an example of a fantastically just well organized rulebook war machine prime third edition is a great way to do it and i also picked this up from the, the um local game store which let's see if i go back to this camera it's probably a little better to see because it's not as much reflection. This is just one of the Horde's 3rd edition starter sets. And that way I have a second army, which I actually already had a second army to play with. But now I have, well, I guess I didn't, I had Cricks, but I don't want to buy the cards for Cricks. So I have a second group here for the War Machine in case everyone ever wants to play it. But that's enough of me rambling about the games I've been playing this year. Oh, well, also with Warlord games in here. Um, I got Conflict 47 on pre-order. I don't know why it's not here yet. The game came out a month ago, but I still don't have my starter set yet, so I've got to talk to my friend who runs the game store to figure out where my starter set is. But we've, my friends and I have literally just basically abandoned Games Workshop for Warlord Games this past year. That's the, that's the big thing. <laughs> so that's about it. Anything else you want to talk about here? Aye, 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 aye. He's thinking. I'm thinking. thinking. I think I've covered up I've covered pretty much everything, but... I think I've covered everything in a nutshell, at least as much as people want to hear. Um, I mean, should we talk... Oh, let's talk about Kyle for a second. Oh, Kyle. Kyle, yeah, we need to mention about good old Kyle, buddy, since he's not here and, you know, someone needs to talk about him. Since he's not here to talk about himself, we must do it for him. So Kyle um, is technically still one of our co-hosts. He hasn't been on the show in two years because he can be a bit difficult to get hold of sometimes, even more so now. Because? Because, well, he got married this year, so congratulations to Kyle. He got married back in August, so 
Yeah, he's good for that. And because of that, he's even harder to get a hold of now than he was before. I asked him about the show. He replied and then never replied if he was willing to show up today to film. So he's not here. But you know what? Congratulations to him with the marriage. And yeah. Yep. So that that's that's uh, the big news for him. Let's hope, he, since he's never going to watch this episode, uh, let's hope that... Uh, oh, how, how would I put it? Uh, I hope it goes very good for him. Hopefully. And that it doesn't stop him from doing the things like showing up here, like all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I don't know. We'll see how things go, right? Yeah. But with that, I guess we'll call the show done then. Yeah, well, uh, websites. Yes, websites. I have... Do you, want, you can go ahead at first. You have yeah, yours all... Yeah, Mon- Mondo... These will all be in the show notes. I'm looking at an email he sent me. I see about 15 <laughs> links there. So, yes. Those will all be in the show notes. I and Mr. Social Media now. Uh, Good, read them okay, off. so Facebook.com, you have three places to go to, Tales of Ahala, Facebook, you all have... All One Word. Yes, All One Word, Conducting Productions, All, all one, one Word, My Week in Eight Minutes, All One Word, and you already know what those are about, so yes. Um, YouTube, same thing, Conducting Productions, My Week, My Week in Eight Minutes, and Tales of Ahala, and then I just... Signed up for Vimeo and re- released the Silvera short on Vimeo as well. So I'll have a presence on Vimeo now and release just the short episodes because I'm not going to pay however much they want to pay for to put the season episodes on. It's just like too much. Is there to, a limit to, or something? Yeah, there's a limit to upload stuff. And it's just okay. like my those videos are way too big to put up there. But I can put the shorts. I'll put the shorts on Vimeo. And... Then, yeah, and Vim, it'd be Vimeo, Conductor Production Vimeo, so I can probably put other projects there in the future if I, if I have a mind to. And then Twitter.com, I do not really, I mean, I have my Ardman Man, but I never use it. I usually just use the My Week in 8 Minutes uh, vlog, and I post, um, like, anything. Oh, any, on your Twitter, yeah. Yeah, on my, on my Twitter, yeah. Any active uh, video content that i uploading or downloading or twitching or whatever, you will see on the My Week in 8 Minutes Twitter, Twitter page, so go to that. And then Instagram, I do have Conductor Productions on Instagram, which take photos of whatever current uh, productions I'm doing on whatever given week, as well as my health status uh, personally. So if you want to go on that, by all means, uh, do that and take a look and you know support me, whatever. And then I'm, on, I'm kind of on Reddit. I have a presence on Reddit via Tales of Ahala, where I'll post uh, things and have conversations with people sometimes uh, on the Reddit HeroScape page. So if you want to get on there, by all means. And then um, twitch.tv slash conductorproductions, all one word. And that's where I do my live streams. And I think, um, well, around the time this is released, I'll probably be doing a lot of live streams as far as uh, building uh, terrain sets uh, via digitally. Uh, through my computer for HeroScape and for Tales of Ahala. So probably be on there a lot as far as conversations. And definitely next year, getting into the uh, behind the scenes of doing the stop motion. Um, I'll probably be showing live streams of stop motion as well. So um, tune in on there for live streams. And I have no current times. It just happens when it happens. So just keep along. Keep a lookout. You can, um, in Twitch, you can subscribe to various accounts and actually say whether you want notifications yep. when they come online exactly. or not. And if you have the app on your phone, 
it'll then bring up a little pop-up saying so-and-so is doing this, and then you can watch them and you can stream to Chromecast or whatever it may be. Correct. You also get an email if you don't have the app, but you know that could be a few minutes later. Who knows when it comes through? So. And last but certainly not least, uh, HeroScapers.com. I have a I have a, an account presence on there too called Tales of Ahala Official, and currently I'm posting in like the fan fiction uh, part in their forums where um, I post updates and discussions. And um, I'm really starting to get happy with HeroScapers.com uh, this year because they're starting to like me. And, and a lot of people like the content, and like I said, they interview me through HeroScape Codex, Codex Magazine, so um, they're allowing me to keep that account on there, and just hoping to get noticed more uh, with the HeroScape community. I think that'd be fantastic to get noticed by these guys, and just sh- show, them, bad thing. show them what, they, what I'm doing, and, and make them appreciate uh, what they have as far as the HeroScape universe goes even more. That is my goal. So if you want to um, you know, talk to me via there, I'll be on there. And then, final, 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 final thing um, is Heroscape, Heroscape Codex Magazine. On, of course, you can see the articles in Heroscapers.com, but they also have a Facebook presence um, on, uh, yeah, uh, on Facebook. I, yeah, um, and that's Heroscape Codex Magazine on Facebook. And go ahead and like uh, their page and uh, see the notifications and stuff and give them some love and support. Uh, because they're really nice guys. So that is pretty much for me, and my gosh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have to do that every episode, every uh, back when we were doing the show. Here's our next 10 minutes of those social media. Yeah, well, we weren't doing all this type of stuff no, we now. Weren't. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, <laughs> oy, oy, oy. but yeah, and I apologize as well for the lack of. Not as much content and more talking for this uh, episode of Tabletop Battlefield this year, but just because both me and Jason, both me and Jason, have been very busy, whether it be personal issues or whether it be uh, health or whether it be we're just doing a lot of work on other things. But hopefully next year we will have, um, at least as far as me personally, I, I personally want to do a Tales of a House specifically themed Tabletop Battlefield episode, whether it be for Christmas or whatever. Um, I'll be in talks with Jason for that because there'll be a lot of content content coming out as far as stop motion is concerned. So hopefully we'll have a lot more stuff for you next year. Yep, quite possibly. So we'll yep. see what happens. Yep, that's kind of part part of the reason like I said I explained why I'm using the new camera setup and see how this goes. Yep. But anyway, this so is, this is a test. <laughs> yeah, this is a test, <laughs> and it could fail miserably. Who knows? But the, it worked this morning and it worked a few minutes ago. So we'll see what happens. Right. All right, so my my links, of course, we have Caladagia.com. That'll be show notes and the bottom here, but spelled K-A-L-I-D-A-S-I-A.com. That's Legends of Caladagia's main site where you can go ahead, order the game, purchase the figures, because I did release a handful of new miniatures this year, which are frankly a crap ton better than anything I've had in the past. I've even got some of the little fighter craft out here as well. So... These are definitely a huge step up from what I originally released years ago. So those are available on the site. Uh, there is a Facebook page for Legends of Caladagia. I think it's facebook.com slash Legends of Caladagia, but that link is in the footer of caladagia.com because that's probably where you should go because I don't like turn over all my control of my content to Facebook. Um, other than that, Twitter, TT underscore Battlefield. I still run that Twitter account, and it who knows what could end up there. So... 
just just be advised that is a personal Twitter account of me, and you're not following Legends of Caladasia or, frankly, the Tabletop Battlefield, even though it is called the Tabletop Battlefield. You never know what I can say on that thing. I can say some pretty crazy, crazy, far-out offensive things. All right. Other than that, of course, Tabletop Battlefield is where this show is still hosted. Um, that site doesn't really do much anymore. It's just there hosting a whole bunch of old, old content, which people still go and visit for one reason or another. Awesome! People still want to look up reviews from of a game that was stopped being produced six years ago. Why? I don't know, but they do, because that's what Google Analytics shows. So Tabletop Battlefield is still running there. I may, at some point in the future, I may do something different with it, um, just because... That website was written with, here we go, some computer programming stuff again, with the original PHP MySQL library, which will stop working come PHP, I think, 5.6 or 5.7 when I'm forced to upgrade to that, which hopefully I, which I need to do at some point because those are no longer supported because of the public security vulnerabilities and because of that, Bluehost is going to eventually force me to go. So long story short, that site is going to stop working at some point in the not-too-distant future because it was written... 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, yeah, using 10 years. the code yeah. base that, because it, it even predated the Tabletop Battlefield by about ah, a year. Wow. So it was written with coding standards from 11 years ago, and it's ancient. Yeah, ancient. Ancient. <laughs> so that's why I, I shut down, I locked it down quite a bit a long time ago for various reasons. But yes, yeah, so I, I need to do something with that at some point. But good news is there's, could be possibility more better stuff in the future. Possibly. I've been, yeah. I've been thinking that for about four years from now, and I haven't done that yet. So I'm not making any promises. No, I'm not making any promises. I know but... people on the YouTube channel and YouTube things say, why can't we get more content? I'm not making any promises yet, you know, but we'll, well, see, we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, I think that really is about it. So Tabletop Battlefield, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, I think that's everything. I think I got, oh, yeah, no, YouTube. So YouTube, this is on YouTube, at, I think my channel, user slash Rocker Robotics. And I'm on twitch.tv as well, twitch.tv forward slash Rocker Robotics, where I do all sorts of random things, from artwork to doing cosplay work to painting miniatures to I don't know what else I'm going to do this year. But um, I may set up a regular streaming time again like I did when I was building the costume for the Legends of Caladagia 2nd Edition trailer, which was the Aragul costume you saw in there. That's actually sitting over there. But, um, yeah, so... I do random stuff like that on Twitch.tv as well. So I think that covers everything. If not, <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes and you can find where all of our crazy antics that we're up to down there. So all one of you. All one of you. You know, we, it get, we get a decent chunk of views. There are yeah, a few people yeah, who are like watching the stuff yeah. still. I mean, there's a few fans out there. Why? Like, hey. Why they do? I have no idea. I don't know. I have it's no idea. Always we're, terrible. We're nuts. Um, we're nuts. We are. We're crazy. But all right. Well, thank you for watching, everybody. Once again, I am Jason. I'm Ryan. And have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we'll see you sometime in 2017. Press the point at the camera. Yeah, yeah. We plan. Yeah, let's finish with that. Yeah, we do. Yes. We do. All we, right. We've, that's how we begin. That's how we that's end. It. So, yes. what's wrong with you, Jason? So I had to ask that. I had to ask that once. That's, that's, you know, that's Kyle's job. Exactly. Here, so exactly. Yes. I had to do that. All right. We'll see you guys in sometime in 2017 on the tabletop battlefield. Yeah.